Today, uh, we're going to be talking about another kind of attribute as a follower of Jesus that is so important. Uh, you know, if you're new to Christianity, there's so many different dynamics to being a follower of Jesus. We have these amazing moments with God where God does miracles. How many believe God is a miracle-working God today, amen? He's a miracle-working God. So we'll have a moment where you could be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years in a very difficult spot in one moment in the presence of God can change the entire, your entire life, amen? One moment in the presence of God. And we believe in those power encounters. We believe in those times where the Lord calls us out of the grave spiritually. God still does all of these amazing miracles, and we pray for that. And that, so that's one aspect of being a follower of Jesus. But there's another aspect of being a follower of Jesus where there's, there's, more, there's a practical kind of walking it out. There's always been a mystery where, I don't know if you've, been, I know you've probably been there with me, where you pray for something, you say, God, you did this miracle in my life last week or last month or last year, why don't you do a miracle in this situation, you know? And sometimes God doesn't do that because he wants to teach us something. He wants us to be able to learn, to mature, to walk. Our Father is so wonderful in heaven, and he knows what's truly best for us. And for any of the parents in the room, you know that there's times when your child is young and you give them what they need right away. But then there's other times that you know if you give them what they want right then, it doesn't actually grow them and help them in the long run. And the Lord does that the same way. And so there's this other aspect of, of being a follower of the Lord where we see there's this idea of spiritual training. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says this, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, rather train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. So there's this, there's this picture of, tra of, of, of training that we have to go through. There's another passage, I don't have this for the screen, but where it talks about physical training, working out is of some value, but training in godliness is beneficial for this age and the age to come. Another verse talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, where it says this, And from infancy you have known the scriptures, he was talking to Timothy who grew up in the Lord, which are able to make you wise for salvation and faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. Don't worry, there's no rebuking and correcting going on today, okay? But and training... In righteousness. So there's, okay, so the word of God, there's times when the word of God can tell us you're not living right. How many of you want to give the word of God permission to tell you when we're not doing things right? Amen. That's what we want the word to do. And there's moments where the, it corrects us and, and, say, and does these course corrections. But then there's other aspects of the word that are meant to train us, to develop us spiritually, to be able to grow up in the Lord. And it says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's another passage in Hebrews that talks about needing to move from milk, spiritual milk, to spiritual meat and nourishment. And so there is a responsibility that is upon us to be able to train ourselves in righteousness and godliness. And that brings us to our text for today, a very important topic for us to practice. Can we all say the word practice? Practice, this idea of practice. Well, Philippians chapter four, verse four, we're gonna be here for a little bit this morning. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The title of our message today is The Practice of Peace. The Practice of Peace. We are living in wonderfully intense days. And by the way, this is nothing new to being a follower of Jesus. Christianity was birthed in one of the most tumultuous eras of human history under the Roman Empire. And for generation after generation, Christians have had to learn what it means to practice peace. So I remember I grew up in camps and retreats and I would go and, and, and I would come to the altar and we'd have these amazing moments when I, would, when I would be in these times and I would pray for the miracle in my heart and my life and God would do it. And I remember I'd have to go back home, back to school, back into normal life and stuff would start to evaporate. You know, I've met Christians as well who kind of can become what I call conference junkies. They go from one conference to another, one inspirational talk to another, but never really are able to cross over into the daily practice of certain things. But one of the practices that we need God's help with is what it means to have the actual practice of peace, the practice of peace, the grace to practice. So again, beautiful tension as being a follower of Jesus. We have a certain responsibility to walk this out, but we also need the help of God to make it happen. Not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of the living God. So I want to walk through this text today when it comes to peace. And, you know, peace is something, if we were to divine it, it is, it is a heavenly calm that can come upon your heart. A heavenly calm, because it's something that goes beyond understanding here, which we'll walk through in a minute. And it's something that God puts upon our heart. And Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross and he died and he shed his blood and he was crucified for us and rose again on the third day, he didn't do that just so we can have a, a, a pass to heaven to be with him for eternity. Yes, that is a part of it. But he purchased our peace for today. The statistics of, of Christians who are battling with a lack of peace are, are, are overwhelming so often. And there's a lot of different issues because we know just being a follower of Jesus does not exempt us from difficult times in this life. And so with that, though, God gives us an instruction on how we can practice this peace. So here's the first step of practicing peace. It says this in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Can we all see the word rejoice together? And no, if you're wondering, I'm not going to sing the song. Okay, I'm not going to do that. But rejoicing in the Lord. Okay. This context of securing the peace that goes beyond understanding, the first step is we need to learn to celebrate and to be glad in the Lord. As I was praying over this this week, I was like, Lord, this is so interesting that the first step to securing peace every day is to learn how to rejoice and how to celebrate. Wasn't that just a wonderful time of worship that we had, celebrating and praising the Lord and giving him glory and honor? Well, that's one of the, that's a, that's a, that's a, a practicing of rejoicing. You know, I'm kind of startled by the fact that we're already in the fall and football season is already starting. And somebody asked me if I wanted to join a fantasy uh, football team. And I said, the only fantasy that I have had with the NFL in football is still dreaming that the Chicago Bears will win the Super Bowl one year. And someone texted me, we'll keep praying for you, Pastor Matt. <laughs> And I was like, come on, man, don't, don't do it, you know? So I grew up in Chicago, and I'm a huge Bears fan. I know Pastor Samuel and I are, are, are common in that area. And, and, and it's funny, when, if you've been a diehard sports fan, it's crazy. Every year is a new year of hope. 
Every year is a year like truly, hey, this might be the year. Until like week six and you're like, it's not ever gonna happen, you know? And you know, so a football season is starting. Our Capital Christian High School football team starts this, this Friday as well. And you know, so we're in this season and Chicago, the Chicago Bears have always been known for their defense for many, 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 many years. You know, I had a friend of mine who was from Oakland and we got Khalil Mack, one of these amazing players of Chicago. So it's always been this little thing. And they always say in Chicago, man, defense wins Super Bowls. And I keep asking people, yeah, well, it hasn't happened in 36 years. So I don't know how long that's gonna be the case. And there's a saying in sports, it's actually a common saying that General Washington, George Washington said and, and Sun Tzu who wrote The Art of War, these military geniuses throughout year used to say this, that the best defense is a good offense. It's actually taught in military academies around the world that one of the best ways to be on a good defense is to actually go on the offense. That's kind of what this principle is here. Because it's saying, hey, before anything happens, learn to celebrate and to rejoice in the Lord. Are you having a good day today? Rejoice in the Lord. Are you gonna kinda wake up in the morning and have a stressful day? Instead of waiting for the problem to come, begin to proactively celebrate and to rejoice in who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Waking up and saying, God, I love you, and God, I praise you today. And you know, what starts to happen as you mature in the Lord, it is good to pray to the Lord when you're in trouble. That's good, that's actually really important. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. But one of the things you know you're growing as a Christian is you don't have to wait for the pain point to pray, but you can begin to celebrate at any time throughout the day. And that's what this is. This is one of the first practices. Go on the offense. Maybe you're here, you're dialing in online, you're, you're here in the sanctuary in this 9 a.m. service, and you feel like you've been spiritually on the defense constantly. Battle over here, battle over here, battle over here, and you just feel like you're putting out all of these fires in your life. Listen, I wanna pray that today is the day where that cycle of defense is broken and there's a spiritual offense that begins to take place today. And through rejoicing and celebrating in the Lord. They say, what does that look like? Well, it happens through, you know, one of the first things that I always encourage folks to do is, is when you wake up in the morning, just begin to celebrate and say, God, I love you this morning. Thank you, God, for another breath in my lungs. You wanna know why, why praying before meals for me has always been something I like to do? Not just because it's religious, but it's one of the things for me that helps in the middle of a busy day it's like a checkpoint for me to say, Jesus, thank you for this food that is placed in front of me. It's a celebration, it's a rejoicing, it's a moment to go on offense, to be able to celebrate. This is why corporate worship is so important. This is why private worship is so important because as we rejoice, as we are glad, and as we celebrate, it, it, it's one of the first steps to secure peace in any given situation. Now, one little note I want to make before we move on to the next point here is it says rejoice in the Lord. See, this is where we can get tripped up sometimes, all of us. Sometimes we can try to start finding our joy and happiness in other things. Rejoice in the Lord, in the things of God. Don't find your, try to find your joy in the things of the world. We all know that even the most wonderful relationship can't truly fill your heart with the joy that Jesus can fill your heart. The things of the world, having a good job, having a good education, all these things are wonderful, but it doesn't ultimately bring the peace and the joy that only Jesus Christ can bring to our hearts. And I believe that this is also one of the things that can begin the path of stress, depression, and anxiety, is go back to the beginning and look at where are we 
truly trying to, do, to fill our hearts with and what and from. And so this is where it says rejoice in the Lord. Find your joy in the Lord. Keep moving on here. Next thing it says is let your gentleness be evident to all. Wow, what does being gentle have to do with my peace? Well, I think there's a very important connection. The Apostle Paul teaches us here that there is, there is a direct connection between a spirit of gentleness and of a spirit of kindness and peace, daily peace in our life. And we've been talking about a, a, lot, a lot about this over the last couple of months, and especially in our culture and our climate where, where everyone's clamoring for, to let their opinion be evident to all, to let their position be evident to all, instead of, wait, wait a minute, is our, is, does the Bible say here that we should let our position be evident to all? No, but let our gentleness be evident to all. A gentle and kind spirit. And that's evident to those who are in our family, those who are closest to us, spouses, children, family members, coworkers, complete and total strangers. So let them see our gentleness. Sometimes a lack of peace is self-imposed. Sometimes an anxious spirit is because we have, we have taken up certain positions in our life that God never asked us to take up. Do you guys know that Jesus Christ, the Lord of our lives, the creator of the universe, has more than enough ability to defend himself? He's one of them. He's the great defender. He can defend his truth. He can defend his position. He can defend things of righteousness. Is, is there moments for us to stand up and to be vocal? Absolutely. But I want to encourage you. How do you know when you've crossed the line? I would say, according to the text here, that you know that you've crossed the line and you're, start, you're starting to step out of a place of peace if you no longer are able to manifest that beautiful fruit of gentleness. So how do you know that you're starting to move into a place where you're, not, you're gonna lose your peace? Well, if your heart is not able to stay gentle and kind to those around you. So let your gentleness be evident to everyone. And I think this is a great point for us to ask the Lord to give us the grace on. So the practice of peace, rejoicing, go on the offensive. Let our gentleness, a disposition be evident to everyone. And then it says here in Philippians 4, 5b, the Lord is near. I love that. And do not be anxious about anything. I think one of the things that the devil, the enemy of our souls, fights us the most on, one of the things is this, is to convince us, is to fight us on the reality of the presence of God. To, to get us desensitized to the sense that Jesus Christ is near and he's with us. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and you ask him to come live in your heart, the one of the greatest mysteries of the universe happens. The Bible says God himself comes to live inside of you, the hope of glory. Are you thankful that Jesus is near to us today? He's near, he's near, he's near. Amen. The Lord is near to us. And so this is directly connected to peace, that we have to remember that he's not a God who's far off and way out there, but the Lord is near. And so therefore, we don't have to be anxious about anything. We don't have to allow our hearts to be built up into this place of just worrisome and anxiety. Anxiety is a very real thing. And it's not like we can just, uh, please hear my heart on this. It's not like we just take some magic pill and all of a sudden expecting anxiety to go away. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But there is this beautiful picture that the Lord gives us here when it comes to the practice of peace. 
And the first thing is to know that he's near. Now let's get into some specifics. Now here's what it says. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And this is one of those truths where um, I want to break this down here for a minute. Every situation. What does it mean to present our requests to God in every situation? I think that there's so often in life, part of as a Christian, why the anxiety level rises, it's not always about the emergency situations in life. But it seems to be a combination of small things that can begin to come upon our heart and just to just fill our hearts with, with a sense of anxiety. For example, how many of you love traffic? You just love traffic? I know I love traffic. I, I moved to Sacramento during COVID, so there was like no traffic. I was like, this is awesome. And then someone said, it's not gonna, it's not gonna don't worry, you're gonna experience it in a minute. Went down to San Francisco the other day, 45 minutes not moving. Okay, that's traffic, right? So there's, there's like things in life that can bring the stress level up. It's, it's, it's you trying to get the kids ready for school or you're somebody, you know, how many is that? You ever try to go charge your phone and someone took your charger? You're like, where's my charger? That, maybe that only happens in my house. But you, some, you're trying to charge your phone. Maybe there's traffic along the way. Maybe you ran out of coffee. Maybe somebody, you know, borrowed something from your desk at work. Maybe a friend said something a little bit off. It wasn't bad, but it kind of annoyed you. And very often what starts to happen is the little things of life, they start to pile up. And before you know it, you're stressed out and you're anxious in your heart. And I think this is part of what the practice of peace is. It's like every little situation, if it starts to bother you a little bit, just bring it to the Lord as a prayer. Talk to God about it. I used to be around folks who, they, <laughs> it was amazing. They would, they would pray for parking spots and I couldn't ever figure that out. I couldn't bring, I couldn't do it. I would be in a car with a friend of mine. They'd be like, God, give me a parking spot. You know what was amazing? They always got a parking spot. But for me, I'm like, I'm not praying for a parking spot. I'm going to drive around for 20 minutes, okay? And then I'll find a parking spot. And I was like, they, but I learned a lesson about certain things. That they weren't trying to be over spiritual. They had practiced every little stressor just to talk to God about it. And man, this is amazing. Because if the Lord is near, if he's with us, He's walking with us. He wants us to talk to him about all of the little things. And maybe this is one of the area for you to put into practice this week. Just as you start your day, if something gets your heart rate up a little bit, a little stressed out, just talk to God about it. Say, Lord, I don't like this right now. That's a little annoying, Lord. And you bring it as a prayer to God. Lord, would you grant me the grace to get through this thing? Because often you can get to the end of the day and all of a sudden, you've got 20 of those little things and now you go home and maybe you're stressed out around your family. There's this, this kind of like, leave me alone, give me my space. This is part of the practice of peace. Lord, help us to talk to you about even the little situations in our lives. But then we do have the intense situations. We've got these, these things that are super intense that we need to bring to the Lord. Look at here, it says, bring to him in every situation by prayer and petition. That's interesting. Philippians 4, 6, it breaks it down. It talks about prayer and petition. What's the difference between a prayer and petition? I think the prayer is just making a request. Like I was kind of joking about that. Maybe you have a, you have a conversation, you got to call family member, brother, sister, mother, you know, in-law, 
and you're like, I don't really wanna do this, but God, would you just give me the words to say to love them? Oh, it's a prayer. You kind of offer a prayer to the Lord. A petition is a whole different thing. The ESV, the, the King James, some of the others talk about this old English word called supplication. This is the prayer that's like an intense intercession. This is that, this kind of deep heart cry to the Lord, and that is so appropriate as well. I love the verse in Hebrews that gives us a picture of Jesus in this place of petition and supplication. It says this, it says that during the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Some of us can grow up in culture, in church culture. We're just loud all the time in, in certain things. That's not what I'm talking about. Being loud and celebrating is good, but I'm not talking about a cultural dynamic of prayer. What I'm talking about is a deep reverence of the heart, the deep part of the heart and the soul. I got news before I walked in today of a friend of mine who's having a challenging situation in their family. And one of the things that I, I love about when the worship is kind of getting going and getting a little bit louder is I can raise my voice to the Lord and not distract. And I just began to pour my heart out to God for my friend, saying, God, help this, fam help this friend of mine. God, this is an emergency situation. God, this is difficult. Lord, this is impossible. God, I don't know what to do. They don't know what to do, but Lord, you can do the miracle, Lord. And there's these places and there's a very important moment in time. Sometimes we carry the pressure of, of, of a problem and we carry the burden on our soul and Jesus is saying, would you just come to me and tell me what you need? Don't carry that, but come and just, just pour your heart out to me and so that I can take care of it. That's what the petition is. Every situation, every circumstance, if you're angry, Instead of going and talking to that person first, go and talk to the Lord about what you're angry about. If you're stressed, if you're uncertain, go. Let the first response be, God, I need your help. God, I need your help. I, often what I'll do is I'll go in my car and do this because I don't wanna freak out people. Sometimes I just need to have it out with the Lord and I gotta raise my voice because I got the stress. Happened the other day, I do it very often. You might say, what, what, why? It's just, I grew up with this idea of if you have a burden, go to God with it and pour your heart out to the Lord. And as you pour your heart out to the Lord, the Bible says in a minute, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. By the way, it doesn't say that he's going to fix the problem right away. But he promises that he will give us his peace. And this is the promise that if there's anything you hear today, I've been praying for us that, Lord, may we get our eyes off of trying to figure out the miracle and may we pour our hearts out to you and just be happy and satisfied when you fill us with peace, oh God. Because he promises peace. He doesn't promise a certain outcome all the time. And so often we could try to figure, we're trying to figure out the miracle. I know I'm guilty of that. I pray. And then I try to calculate, okay, God, how are you gonna do it? <laughs> God, are you gonna talk to them right now? Are you gonna do this? It's not our job to figure out the miracle. It's our job to lay our petition and our requests before him. And he promises. And I can tell you in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ today, standing upon the word of God, 
that he promises that he will give his people peace. It's in the word of God and he will do it. Now here's the other thing I wanna encourage you with. As I'm kind of jumping ahead, it says this. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. One of the most amazing scriptures in the entire Bible. There's a peace that this world cannot give. You can't find it in a bottle. You can't find it in a pill. You can't find it in a relationship. You can't find it in a bank account. You can't find it in anything on this earth. But the Lord in heaven stands by and he says, pour your heart out to me. Ben, if you believe in me, I'm going to come and give you peace that you can't even understand. And you know, part of the reason why I think we don't understand it is because we live in a very transactional society where we, we grow up in this sense of this, this wonderful country where if I have to work for something, if I don't work for it, how do I experience it? I have to do something. And there is an element, there is a condition to this promise. There is a condition. What's the condition? Pour your guts out to God. But we don't have to earn it because our peace has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. He already bought our peace. He paid for it. He did pay for it. We can't earn it. We can't manufacture it. I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that. Having grown up around the things of God, in, having been in different, so many different church cultures and meetings and environments, sometimes well-meaning ministers can cross the line in trying to manufacture something that only can God can give. We're not talking about that either. This can't be manufactured. We can't buy it. Jesus can give it though. And he stands by, he says, I am near. You don't have to be anxious, my son, my daughter. Pour your heart out, let me know what's going on. Just pour it out. Pour out your petitions, pour out your prayer. And the peace that goes beyond understanding is gonna cover your heart and mind. Here's what I love about this as well. The description is that this, this peace covers the heart and our mind. So this is, it covers our emotions. You know, one of the hardest things as a follower of the Lord, as any person, any image bearer on the planet, is when your emotions are going so crazy and you don't know what to do to stop it. Because some, our heart and the soul can become so complicated. Maybe this isn't a challenge for you, but maybe you have a loved one that you sit there and sometimes you feel so helpless because they're telling you the feelings they have on the inside and you wish you could just put your hand on their little heart and help it. If you're a parent, you know that sometimes if you see a child going through something, you're like, I wish I could just come and, and just, just do this, but we can't do that. We're not able to do that, however, God is the one who's able to give the peace that will guard our heart and our emotions. But also, not only will it guard the heart, and meaning another, it's our emotions and our will, it'll also guard our minds. Thoughts that can just circulate. Forgive me for the personal reference. I, I was praying about an example for this that would help us, and I had a story, and I... I thought I'd share it. I've mentioned a couple sermons ago, my adopted mom who raised me in the Lord, wonderful, 
passed away, went to be with the Lord about four years ago with a 10-month battle of cancer. And I'm pastoring and I'm in the ministry and I'm serving the Lord and being adopted and having a passing of the person who was like my spiritual figurehead in my life, there was deep stuff that was going down in my heart. And I remember very often I would be going through minutes and hours. I would sit in my, my office at home after she'd passed and I'd have, I'd have my Bible there. I'd be sitting there because I knew I was trying to connect with the scriptures or something. But I would just find myself going for an hour sometimes just in my head, my thoughts. It was just me and my thoughts. And what began to take place was it just would bring me to further places of grief and despair and discouragement. And it doesn't make sense because I know that she's in heaven, yet I'm still trying to figure out this grief process. So I went and so I, went, was, I was blessed to be able to go and sit down with a, an incredible Christian counselor and they began to help me understand this passage. It's a, and he, he told me, he said, Matt, listen, stop trying to self-fix, to try to fix your own grief. You're a pastor. You, you help counsel all sorts of other people. Stop trying to do it yourself. You can't do that. And very often, especially if you've been serving the Lord for a little bit, you know the Bible verses. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And sometimes you can feel this sense of, I should be able to fix this part of my heart. I should know it. I've been following Jesus for all these years. When you're a baby Christian, you know I need God's help for everything. But when you've been serving the Lord for a little bit, all of a sudden, you can start to feel this internal pressure that I have to fix this grief or this challenge in my soul. And what this brother was able to help me with is say, no, you don't have to fix that. You just need to invite Jesus into these moments. And so we began to, he helped me through this reset of, it, the, at the beginning of feeling grief, he began to teach me, just begin to talk to Jesus about it. Don't make a big thing about it, just begin to talk to him. So it was hard to break the pattern of just internal self-thinking all the time about my grief. Because it just was hard to break it, but he began to teach me, no, just begin to talk to me. So I'll never forget the day, it was like, Sometimes when you're going through these internal emotional things, it's one step forward, two steps back, you know, this kind of process. And I was walking it out and trying, the moment I would feel that deep sense of loss, instead of thinking about all of the things in my head, I began to just talk to the Lord about it. And I was in an airport traveling, and I remember we were getting on one of those trams that you go to the next terminal. And as I got, I got down to the terminal, I was sitting there and I looked to the left and there was a woman standing there that looked exactly like my mom. Five months before, it would have triggered me into probably just this deep, deep place of grief and despair and discouragement, which happens. But because by the grace of God, he began to teach me in every situation to talk to him, I just began to say, Lord, my heart hurts right now, but she looks, I'm having this internally with myself, talking to the Lord. Because sometimes I'm around a bunch of people, I didn't want to look crazy, right? <laughs> so I was, but I was talking to God in the train station and I said, Lord, she looks exactly like mom. I said, Lord, mom's with you right now, isn't she? 
And I said, just tell mom that I love her. And thank you that you're here with me through this. And got on the train, got to the next terminal. In that conversation, I started talking to him about my meeting that I was traveling to. And I didn't realize what was happening, but about 30 minutes later, I was able to look back into the glory of God. I realized that a, a trigger event in, my, uh, in, that, in life that would typically trigger me into a deep, dark, challenging place, in some ways kept me on top of the waters. And purely, it was because Jesus was invited into the moment. So let's... We, yeah, praise the Lord for his goodness. This is, but this is not a perfect. There's times after that that I got stuck trying to carry it myself. So this is what part, this is my story. Everyone's story is different. We all have different challenges in our life. But part of the practice of peace is just conversing with God in the moment. And oh, I'm gonna pray for us here in a minute that God would give us the grace to talk to him in the moment so we don't have to carry these issues.